the new sex. And I don't like what's happening with the body. In particular, what's happening with my body. Which is why I keep cutting it up. What do you think they'd find inside it? Outer space. Oh. Whoops. Sorry. Let us not be afraid to map the chaos inside. Let us create a map that will guide us into the heart of darkness. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a- another mini-sode of Fake Ritual, a fool's guide to pop culture and the occult. My name is Lucas Sloppy, and with me is former guest. He is an educator, a painter, and... Oh, yeah, I already said former guest. It's Kenneth Nicholson. What's up? Not too, too much. How are you? Good. Uh, well, let's just dive right in, because this is a mini-sode, so we got <clears throat> things to do and... Uh, wounds to lick, because today we are talking about David Cronenberg's new film, Crimes of the Future. And for the listeners at home, be sure to go back and listen to the full episode I did with Kenneth on David Cronenberg, uh, and then you'll be able to, you know, have a nice little sequel with this one. But Crimes of the Future. Uh, <clears throat> basically, we're going to talk about, you know, our experience viewing it. We're going to break down some of the characters, get into some of the themes, and cover some of the effects. Uh, so yeah, to start, the experience we had. Full disclosure, Kenneth and I actually saw this movie together for the first time after we met for the first time. So uh, we saw it at the Manor. Shout out to the Manor in Squirrel Hill. Please keep the theater alive, so give them your money. But Kenneth, uh, what was your experience seeing the flick? Well, I think the manor had a really big role to play in how we experienced the film. It always seems like at the manor, uh, in the theater, the people that you're with, that there's a very like potent sense of community there that I don't always seem to get at like my local AMC or Cinemark. It always seems like at the manor, the people that you're watching the movie with are all there for either the same reason or have the same interest in experiencing the movie. You don't seem to get as many of the distractions you do at your kind of like mainstream um, corporate theater. The popcorn is also much better. Yeah. Yeah. It seems, it seems everyone is one trying to support an independently run theater and two like down to watch something fucked up or, or, you know, challenging as it were, and this is definitely one of those movies that is challenging, has, yeah, anything that has, like, dead children in it, in any way, shape, or form, uh, is gonna do that, and I guess from the top, we do our best. Polarizing, yes, yes, but I mean, that stuff does happen, so it's gotta be in movies, I guess, and I think he handles it fairly well, but just to get out of the way, we're going to do our best to avoid any spoilers in our discussions here, but, you know, if you're really sensitive to that kind of stuff and you want to go and see this movie absolutely cold, uh, I would also probably recommend that. It is a good movie for not knowing anything about, but just there are 
dead kids in it. So <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's also a kind of hard film to really spoil because I think after even the second time seeing it, still a little foggy on, on some of the uh plot points or just exactly it's one of those movies too you could tell someone the plot point but it's not gonna have the same impact absolutely yeah as uh it it does when you see it uh but yeah so i think we could both say that we our overall experience was good we enjoyed the movie and just up top would recommend people seeing it absolutely Uh, it seemed that the overall kind of approach to filmmaking was a return to form for Cronenberg in terms of what he was uh, discussing, the kind of subject matter. But if you are privy to some of the last handful of films that he made, uh, they still seem very much in in that vein, or at least have a lot of the same flavors that he's been working with over the past. Well, few yeah, years. that's a great. Let's. Uh, we're going to get into the characters a little bit later, but right now let's just jump into the themes because you're kind of uh, pointing at it there. Surgery is the new sex is probably the most overarching theme of the film. Probably the greatest surface read. Yeah, tell us. Uh, also, yeah, you are a painter and you an artist, and you kind of deal in similar, you know, body cut ups in a way. You know, exploring the makeup and breakdown of the human body. So, I'd love to hear your take on this notion of surgery is the new sex, as well as the uh, the art world as it is included in this film. Yeah, absolutely. I've been a, an enormous Cronenberg fan for for years, and he's been an uh, enormous influence on my work, probably even before I went to school for art and really started doing research and, and researching my influences. And that was something that made this film all the more exciting. Uh, we know that he has an interest in the body, in deconstructing the body or at least exploring the body through deconstruction and that absolutely has something to do with my current body of work but we start to see this sense of him kind of going back to his roots while still um, how do I want to say kind of bringing along the things he's learned from his more recent films like we think of like Maps to the Stars and A Dangerous Method as being these kind of newer films of Cronenberg's that aren't necessarily what we think of always like within the canon of his work, but he's, he's grown uh, exponentially throughout these last handful of films that he's made as well. You can absolutely see that in this new movie. Yeah. It's like a return to form, but with, you know, still kind of considering all the stuff he's learned in those other films. And yeah, I mean, Surgery is the New Sex is kind of the, I think you pointed out, it's like the Videodrome, you know, what's the what's the line from Videodrome that... Long live the new flesh. Long live the new flesh, you know, it's, this movie is very, in its themes, like it could, some you know, to some might be seen as self-parody in the way that it's like so Cronenberg, you know, there's holes in people's bodies and, you know, gross moments of violence that's actually sexual, uh... But, yeah, so, you know, there is that surgery is the new sex because I guess we should at least break down the the setup of the movie, which is, you know, these two performance artists, Saul, played by Viggo Mortensen, and then, can you, the the 
his partner, his art partner in the movie, yep. Caprice, played by Leah Sido. Is Leah how I Sido. It. Yes. So if I'm French, wrong, come at me. French actress. Yeah. Uh, the big Leah Sido fandom, uh, which they both bring it to this film, but they are themselves, you know, one is uh, pretty much the palette for the other in just like through live surgery. Viggo Mortensen is performed upon by Caprice uh, and it's, you know, done in a very art gallery way with all these, you know, hip, you know, freaks hanging about, you know, judging and filming and everything. Uh, but yeah, just what what was your take as well on the presentation, you know, on the use of artists and performance art, you know, rather than straight up the usual Cronenberg, you know, scientists or surgeons. So with those earlier films where we've seen surgery or the the body or different types of his characters are always specialists in some way with either in ah, science yes. or one of the other uh and the many interests that he has but there's always artists mixed in with that so we think back to like uh brundle in the fly to like dead ringers there's always this elevated like artistry to what the art what our char- main characters have. Well, yeah, too, in this movie, might as well get a little more into the characters because as you're saying, there's kind of a, uh, like, one-for-one one. Vigo's character in the film can really be interpreted as Cronenberg himself in that he's kind of having to deal with, you know, maybe this possible censorship with this new Vice uh, unit. But at the same time, you know, that they're doing their job, they're also kind of always nudging him to be like, no, we're cool. We get it. You know, we're actually like supporting your work, which seemed very, you know, I don't know if that's how he feels about maybe the Canadian board of filmmaking, whoever, you know, where he gets his money, it not being America, he actually gets it from like the government. So yeah, uh, you know, obviously that character, Saul, the main character, but uh, yeah, what were some of the other standout characters for you? So. I think, and also gush on Vigo as much as you want because this movie kind of made me fall back in love with him. <laughs> incredible! This is not the first film that he's done with Cronenberg, and they have such a shorthand together. Uh, he's one of those actors when he works with Cronenberg, every character always feels so unique. I never really think back to him like, oh, he's just doing History of Violence, or he's doing yeah. he's doing Freud. From it's. And I think it just goes a, really a lot to say to Vigo in general of how transformative he can be. He was really incredible and also kind of looked a bit like Cronenberg in terms of like the graying hair, kind of like simplistic garb when he's not wearing his like ninja outfit. Oh, that ninja outfit. Like it was like, yeah, a black version of the Dead Ringers, like surgery uniform, but then like with added hood and absolutely it tripped me up a little bit to be honest throughout the film it, it... yeah because he says his character basically i guess this is kind of a spoiler but the trailer almost gives it away he is essentially growing new organs and they're useless organs at least you know according to him uh you know that becomes put into question throughout the film 
But he's growing new organs, and he's losing these new organs. But for some reason, it makes him really cold. So he, like, always has to be in this, like, his sleep. It's very goth as well. It's like, it's like sweater that's too big for you, so you let the sleeves hang over your hands. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he was definitely rocking that look a lot. And uh, it's especially in terms of the goth vibes, there was, for me, very heavy undertones of Frankenstein throughout this film, which was very yes. surprising to me. The place they lived in seemed like a really avant-garde castle. Um, totally. Yeah. It's not, I like this movie because you got movies like Eastern Promises and, you know, all those, the history of violence, but especially Eastern Promises, this kind of uh, dedication to realism that this one seemed to kind of go the other way in. Like this world they present feels more like, you know, uh, like a fairy tale world, a non, not exactly a realistic portrayal of the future, but. Very yeah, it kind of felt like like Stalker, you know, the movie Stalker. Who Absolutely. was that filmmaker? Tarkovsky. Russian filmmaker. Yeah. Tarkovsky, yeah. It kind of had that vibe where it's like, this feels like a dream. But I appreciate that because sometimes movies are so like, we got to make it realistic. That kind of gets lost in that. And this one was just like, we're going to deal with the themes and let these characters just play out in this world that, you know, could or could not be Absolutely. a real place it made me think a lot of the overall vibe that i get from naked lunch um, yes how with that adaptation that for the longest time seemed to be an, a, an impossible adaptation cronenberg kind of let go of this sense of logic and kind of hung on to yes. dream logic and that's kind of what you use to navigate that film and same way here you kind of get a sense early on that if you are confused or if something seems kind of illogical, that hanging on to that is not going to help you work through the film. Mm -hmm. That you kind of allow things to kind of move in these like unique directions. I think starting off with uh, the boy in the beginning of the film is such a great way to do that, that you're introduced with this sense of um, like body anomaly, and that's what is going to kind of set the set the overall tone for the film. Yeah, a large part of the movie centers around basically a child who is eating plastic, and the plot kind of tells you, you know, why he's eating plastic, and you know, eventually kind of leads you to another theme which is pollution and, you know, this kind of idea of how we as humans can, you know, maybe integrate with the polluted world and actually, like, through transformation of our own body, be able to accept it more, which uh, in the couple interviews I watched with Cronenberg, it's kind of like a... Um, you're supposed to have mixed feelings about it. Like, they're the way the film presents it sometimes, you know, some of the people are like, this is good, you know, we need to learn to eat plastic, basically, they're saying. But it's also kind of, like, cynical in a way, where it's like, well, we're not going to be able to actually, like, clean this planet up, so I guess we're going to have to, you know, fuck ourselves up and meet the planet where it's at, rather than reversing all the stuff we've done. Which I just thought was... He's been writing this movie and thinking about this movie for decades. And somehow he like 
put it out right at the perfect time when we're all realizing that we are our bloodstreams are full of microplastics. So you had mentioned this idea of the Earth changing uh, the characters mm-hmm. and so it's having something to do with pollution, and I think that's for me one of the like interesting kind of uh, parallels in the film of the sense of pollution or the way that we've transformed the earth has now kind of caught up with the characters. And now we're finding that we are evolving uh, to try and survive this environment that we've created. So no longer is pain going to be so much of a um, kind of like working mechanism of the body, but things like the digestion of what our surroundings are uh, very much becomes this kind of like new evolutionary um, direction that yeah. we've taken. It's definitely an exploration of like, yeah, because also in this future, very, very few humans have any capacity for pain, for physical pain. And uh, yeah, it's almost kind of seen as evolution has led us there where it's kind of like, all right, like pain served you for a while, but now we're in a situation where it's, I mean, that's definitely relatable where it's just sometimes like the suffering of modern living is sometimes just like, if, why, like if this didn't bother me, that would kind of be nice. You know, I could just like not dwell in these painful moments, you know, or just like the physical, yeah, literally like the cancer that this world gives you in all these diseases. It's like, is pain really serving us anymore in the modern age? Absolutely. I mean, I guess that's kind of, yeah. A lot of the time, Cronenberg's questions are often like, yeah, pretty much like, is what we think is wrong with us actually wrong? Or can we somehow transform it into something that works for us? I think what when we kind of see that sense of like a recurring theme with Cronenberg, there's a uh, like transgression going on so we think Ah. of like with crash or existence you have this new way of life that is on like kind of the outskirts of what's acceptable so we think with crash we have these individuals who can only connect with each other over the kind of death drive literally of like the kind of bar crash um which has become so common anymore it's become a way of life and and same way with existence with the idea of technology not only fusing with our bodies but changing our consciousness and how we live the narrative of our lives as well whether that's something to be um rebelled against or to be embraced mm-hmm. we get that exactly here the idea of if our bodies are changing and creating these new organs can you find a way to make that a part of your life or do you consistently try to work against what nature is 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 pushing you towards as well and i think cronenberg like you said is with this film very not indifferent at all but uh very ambiguous in terms of what he thinks the, the answer should be, because I don't think it's necessarily black and white, but that's something that he's always interested in kind of diving into, which is that gray area. Yeah, it's kind of what 
It's like his films aren't necessarily overtly occult. They don't, you know, always deal with like supernatural. Like they're not as blatant as something that would, you know, include a witch's circle and demon summoning or, you know, ghosts and all that. But at the root of his filmmaking is an occult idea, just like you're saying, of kind of this alchemy of, you know, how do we take something that is bad and make it good or even like in a reverse way is this thing that we think is good actually like harming us, which I feel like is something that is explored, you know, within occult circles, just the kind of idea of even within like something like Satanism, where it's like, oh, let's take this thing that we've been told is bad and actually look at it as good. So, I mean, I'm just trying to put like a nice little cap on, uh, you know, the Cronenberg, oh, uh, just like ethos, because I feel like it's it's not as blatantly occult as other things, but at its core, it is very much about, you know, hidden meanings. And right there, I think that's it. Like the idea of the occult at its core being about exploration of of the hidden aspects of our life or the hidden possibilities of our life. That right there is what Cronenberg has always been interested in. And I think it's that kind of like combination of the body with the other. And in his case, the other is often malicious or scary um but in almost all cases it's like the the human aspect of it that always ends up being the the antagonist Mm -hmm, or at mm -hmm. least the part that is like most um odd well yeah i mean that's probably the best place to end our discussion uh because i mean this is a new movie and there, you know, is so many angles to cover. We can't squeeze it all into one mini but I think we did all right. But uh Kenneth, any final thoughts, you know, pertaining to the film and you know, something for the listeners maybe to take with them? Sure. So if you end up seeing this film, which I highly recommend, you do go check out, especially if you can go see it in an independent uh theater, really in any theater, uh would be the ideal experience if you walk out of this film and are interested in exploring types of performance art or just visual art that may have influenced this film there was a few artists that really came to mind while i was watching the film that i I took notes on the first one being orlan who's worked with concept of surgery and body transformation as well but also patricia piccinini uh, in terms of dealing with how the body would change in relation to our environment carolee schneeman always in terms of performance art and the body comes to my mind but even chris bird came to my mind a little bit in terms of what what um how do I want to say the the uh, possibilities of art or what makes something mm. art that would seem either ordinary or to some grotesque because it comes up a couple of times in the film. And that's yes. not necessarily a new question at all, but this film definitely takes a new spin on answering it. Right on, yeah. So listeners, please check out uh, all those 
very hard to pronounce, but you know, Googleable names. So you know, no excuses here. But thank you, Kenneth, again for coming on the show and dealing with the secret technical difficulties that hopefully I was able to hide from the listeners completely. God, no worries. Uh, thank you for having me. Thanks for going to check out the movie with me as well. And like I said, that sense of community in watching these odd filmmakers always uh, heightens the experience. Yes, I love little discussion before, you know, a couple arm nudges during, and then, you know, a nice little breakdown afterwards. Me slapping my knee at yeah. various parts of the film. Us laughing at times. Yeah, we yep. weren't sure we're for being laughed at, but, you know, that's Hollywood, baby. Yep. Uh, but anything uh, you want to promote or any way for the fakers to follow you? Oh, you can follow me on Instagram uh, under the name Grossferatu with three S's. Um, I'll be showing my work around the area in Pittsburgh and, and, and other didn't, tri-state locations. I saw you posted, didn't like the Warhol or something choose your classes, oh, collages, right. and they're, are they up right now? Yeah, man, the the class chose those too, which was like even more moving that they liked the assignment. Um, it's like one thing when you are like discussing certain subject matter, like regarding art with people that you know enjoy it. But man, when you when you have to like teach about certain types of art, there's always like a really good chance no one cares uh-huh. or or enjoys it. And I got the chance to work with the uh the youth program um committee i I think it's called at at the warhol um we were working on collages and talking about the idea of like the cut up and different influences that i've had definitely talked about cronenberg a little bit and their work that we made during that workshop is currently uh, up in the windows when you pass the warhol uh up in these kind of like vinyl displays so absolutely go check out their work they are like high schoolers who are that's incredibly uh, talented because yeah, i saw they, it yeah. i was like this looks pro this looks yeah. like thought-provoking absolutely. and interesting and fun uh but uh yeah well you can follow us at fake ritual on instagram and as always please rate review subscribe Wherever you listen this, if you're on your phone right now, I bet you could, in two clicks, give us five stars or, you know, one star, which I don't recommend. But, hey, you know, it's a free country for now. Uh, for now. <laughs> for now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, beyond that, just remember, Go Faker. Register your new organs. Yeah, re- Remember, fakers, if you grow any new Orions, they must be registered with the new vice. What was it? New vice unit? New vice? <laughs> new vice something like that. All right, folks. Bye.